Welcome back to the program. This is Dr. Tom Curran, systematic theologian, if you're wondering. Doctor of what? Sometimes people, they ask me, what are you a doctor of? And they say, well, theology. I say theology because uh, if I say systematic theology, <laughs> they don't know what that means. Uh, anyways, so uh, what is systematic theology? It's an attempt to take the fundamental ideas of Catholic uh, theology and put them in good order. Put them in a way that properly weighs them, properly defines them, properly relates them, so that you can go deeper into your understanding of the faith. Faith, in one of its most important dimensions, is referred to as the, in, the understanding of faith. And so faith seeks understanding. The understanding of faith is, is that there is a component that involves um, ideas, that involves truths that are meant to shape how we see the world, how we relate to the world, and how we live in the world. You hear me talk about that all the time, because I'm a systematic theologian. And today on Sound Insight, I'm going to weigh some fundamental ideas, try to put them in proper order. And one of the things that's going to happen is we're going to have these truths of our faith, weighed, ordered, organized in a certain way, they're going to shine a bit of a light on our lives, a bit of a bright light, a bit of a challenging light. And, and that's not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing. Um, and so we're going to let the, the light of the truth of our faith strike us, and we're going to see how the light of the truth of our faith also shines a light on the world and might, in fact, help us understand how we are to live in the world. So, you see, that, you see, you see why it's important to study faith? Why is it so important to study our faith? When we study our faith, when we reflect upon it, when we are guided in our attempts to go deeper into understanding what our faith means, not just what the church teaches, but what is the meaning of that in terms of shaping how we see the world and how we're relating to our own lives and how we're living in this world, right? I keep going back to those categories, consciousness, attitude, action, that when we, when we allow the truth to inform our lives— then we are less likely to be just caught up in the current of what's popular in the moment. Be unthinking about accepting certain ideas and beliefs that sometimes come at us from every direction and can overwhelm our thinking. So the, the work of a systematic theologian, it's an important work. It's to help make distinctions. It's to help bring clarity. And with clarity comes the opportunity for depth. Claritas, claritas in St. Thomas Aquinas was one of the principal attributes of the beautiful, that the, the truth is not only good, it's not only going to lead us to flourish, but it's beautiful, it's harmonious, it's attractive, and there's a depth dimension when you can go onto a lake that is particularly clean, claritas, it's free from impurities, you can be led into the depths. And that's my goal and sound insight, honestly. My goal is, hopefully, to be able to bring out into the open what the church actually says, what the scriptures are teaching us through the church, 
on a particular day, like on Sunday, and see how that relates. See how that casts a light on our lives, in our lives, and then through our lives into the world. So that's what we're going to do. I'm going to be a systematic theologian today on Sound Insight. Uh, But before that, if we're going to do it well, we better pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord our God, I love you, and I thank you, and I praise you that you are our Father. Help us to know what it means that you're our Father, and that you take care of us. Through your Son, Jesus, you reach out to us to unbind us and set us free from sin and death, and from all the consequences of sin that impact our thinking and our our, our intellect and our will and our passions, and, and urge us towards more sin. And so, Lord, unbind us and set us free by the gift of your Spirit, move in us and through us, cleanse us and set us on fire, anoint us, O Holy Spirit, for the task of right now. We desire to fulfill the call that is ours. Please give us that grace. We make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today's the Today, I'm recording this on Monday night. You're hearing this on Tuesday morning. So technically, I'm recording this on the Feast of St. Alphonsus de Liguori. You heard Father Lewis and I talk about him and some of his challenging teachings, but amazing, amazing. If you haven't discovered the gift of St. Alphonsus de Liguori, not only an incredible moral theologian, but an incredible theologian of the spiritual life and who lived a life that you just shake your head, like how did he live that way? How did he live like that? God bless. He's a saint. He really is a saint. (laughs) Okay. Um, But he came to mind on Sunday morning. Sunday morning, um, my wife and a bunch of our kiddos went to go meet up with Two boy, our two boys who are at Steubenville Northwest, happening in downtown Spokane. And I had already shared last week the, the gift that that had been in my own family, especially in the lives of Mary Grace and of Mary Catherine, both of whom had powerful encounters with Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament at their particular Steubenville Northwest events. And so we had we made the decision as a family to go to mass there um, to support the conference and to be with our sons and also just to um, to uh, kind of you know prepare the way for the other kiddos that are coming up the the trail uh, they're a couple years away or a few years away from high school but just to kind of let that wash over them um, Franciscan University of Steubenville where Kerry graduated and I have very fond connections and relationships with folks that are there, is uh, sort of the, the biggest, like when we talk about Catholic schools, like where do we send our kids? Uh, it, it just today, I was asking my boys, I said, have you thought about what you want to study in college? And um, interesting conversation. One of them said theology, and they said, what about a trade? And um, how, how can you do both? And and. What, what do you do with a major? And so interesting conversation there. But they said, yeah, where, where would you want us, where would you support us going? And I said, well, number one on the list is Franciscan University of Steubenville because it's a big enough pond. It's a big enough pond. It's not just a tiny, not the tiny 
like solid Catholic schools, Catholic colleges are, are bad, but we want our kids to be able to extend their wings a bit and be away from home, but in an environment where they're going to be with a bunch of kids like themselves who come from big Catholic families who are striving to be intentional like themselves, and they're going to be able to say, you too, oh my gosh, we did this, oh, are you serious? And that happened, That happens all the time for Mary Catherine. So uh, we're kind of teeing up that that's the college that Ariana will go to after she finishes the world race, uh, God willing. And then um, the other kids starting to sow the seeds. Okay, so at Steubenville Northwest at Mass, the priest who was presiding and, and the homilist, he, he began with a provocative question, a question that was very much like St. Alphonsus de Liguori. His question was, what's the biggest problem in the world? What is the biggest problem in the world? So my systematic theology hat came on, and I started thinking up, what's my insightful, clever answer? And uh, I had an answer, and I'll tell you the answer in a minute. And his answer was very Alphonsus de Liguori-like, which is, means it's very Catholic and very biblical, and, and that is the biggest problem in the world is death. And death comes for us all. Death is a reality that everyone faces. And yet so many people attempt to avoid thinking about death focusing on death, reflecting on death. And, um, and in doing so, end up potentially missing out on the greatest of the good news, which is that I know a guy who overcame death, Jesus. And so Jesus solves the problem of death, and that's the good news in a nutshell. And, um, and so I, I had a different answer. I had a different answer, but it's not an unrelated answer to his answer, which was, the biggest problem is death. Jesus is the answer to the problem, and that's the good news that we are to proclaim to the world. I said that the biggest problem in the world today is that there are not enough saints. There you go. <laughs> the biggest problem in the world is that there are not enough saints. And I, those are not unrelated answers, that death is the biggest problem and that there are not enough saints. And, and why, how, what, let me draw the line. Let me draw the systematic theology line between death being the biggest problem and the biggest problem being there are not enough saints. Well, what is a saint? A saint is someone who is so given over, so all in for the Lord, so given over to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, as my all. Christ is my life. Life means Christ, death is gain. That in, in that relationship with Christ through baptism and then increasing through all the sacraments, literally the life of God, the divine life, begins to shine forth in this world. The new life of being God's children shines forth in this world. Saints, holy ones, those who are holy, begin to manifest in this world the life that has overcome death, the biggest problem of the world. The biggest problem that we have today is there aren't enough saints because saints would shine a supernatural light into a fallen world, and that supernatural light is uh, is attractive. It's glorious. And glorious, it has a magnetic, a divine magnetism to it. Saints would live a joy and a freedom, uh, a goodness and, and a beauty that will 
be magnetic in this world, that will grab people's attention in this world, that will be a sign of contradiction to those who are trying to grapple with the problem of the world, which is death. And they will offer an entirely different way of seeing the answer to the problem of death that they can't avoid. And so they themselves become radiators, living witnesses of the good news of Jesus Christ. So we got there, this priest with his answer, and me with my answer, we got to the last point, which is the church must be a compelling witness to Jesus Christ as the answer to the world's problems, the world's fundamental problem, which is death. Christ is the answer. And I, th- I say that saints become the beautiful, um, the beautiful testimony that Christ is my answer. Christ is, is the one who questioned me and brought me to my knees, and I surrendered to him, and now my life is free from the sting of death, the fear of death, and I can live now as God's child in this broken, fallen world. Come, follow him with me. So um, it's good to reflect. It's really helpful to reflect on the biggest questions, the biggest questions like death and sanctity, holiness, holiness. Holiness matters. As the program continues, I'm going to talk about holiness mattering. And I'm going to do it in the light of well, St. Alphonsus de Liguori in his book, Preparation for Death. But in the light of the scriptures, the compelling, powerful, laser beam, uh, convicting scriptures from Sunday, that life is vanity of vanities if it's only about things that are marked by value in the eyes of the world. The second reading that says, Raise your eyes beyond this world to Christ as the supreme good for your life. Let your eyes be lifted up beyond the world to heaven. And then the gospel, which tells the parable of someone who's so anxious about getting his share of the inheritance, greed, going after money and the stuff that money brings, control, independence, the ability to access the goods of this world, a comfortable life that can attempt to inoculate and numb oneself to the bigger problem. Oh fool, oh fool, your life will be required of you because you fail to do what matters to God. When we come back, I'm going to reflect on those passages and more on Sound Insight. Hi, this is Dr. Tom Curran, and you know me as the host of Sound Insight. I am also letting folks know that as a realtor licensed in the state of Washington and in Idaho, I love serving Catholic families and others who are discerning a move for yourselves. It's much more than buying or selling a home. It's discerning a whole new life. If that's something that you would find uh, a help in, if I could be of service to you, please be in touch. You can find out more at drtomcurran.com, drtomcurran.com. 
Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Curran. It is great to be with you. And I know it's, uh, you just heard that sponsor message about um, my service as a real estate agent. One of the things that I do, just as a quick invitation to you all, is even if you're not sure about, oh, I'm going to move to northern Idaho or eastern Washington, one of the free services I offer is helping families discern, is it time to to change locations? Is it time to move, period? You might just move from one town to the other, or at where you're living right now, or you might be moving to a different state. So uh, I offer a, a free session of coaching or consulting around just discerning, should we move? How do we discover where we ought to move? Is now the right time? How do we go about that move? And what are the financial implications of that kind of move? Or, you know what? Interest rates have changed. We're not going to move. But what do we do with all this equity that's just sitting in our home? Is there something we can do with that? And I've been helping folks discover ways to turn equity into investment so if, if that sounds interesting to you in terms of a real estate journey, you can reach out to me. Go to drtomcurran.com, and you can sign up for a free session. It's a free session, no obligation. It's a free session just to help you discern, is there some decision to make associated with real estate right now in your life, even if it doesn't involve moving to where I'm living, okay? So drtomcurran.com, you can see. Uh, you can watch some videos, testimonials, and also um, sign up for a free session. Love to be able to pray with you, talk, listen, and, and share any insights that I have. Okay. That matters to me. That matters. And, and you'll see why. I'll circle back around to that at the end. Just in terms of um, um, helping families discern what to do is often connected to what do I do for my family right now to lead and provide and protect my family right now? As priest, prophet, and king in my family's life, what do I do right now to be faithful to the call of God right now? Because there's so much at stake right now. So many things are changing in this moment. And how am I supposed to sort all of that out? That's what I do. I help folks sort that stuff out. I've been there, I've done it, and I've helped dozens of other families do it as well in the last several years. So let's come back around to the specific uh, question of the readings and how they cast a light on our lives. So if you took a look at the first reading, it, you know, it's Ecclesiastes, right? Vanity of vanities, all things are vanity. Here's one who labored with wisdom and knowledge and skill. Those are good things. Labored with wisdom, knowledge, and skill, not a bad thing. And yet to another who has not labored over it, he must leave property. (laughs) Meaning, you know what? You're going to die, and you're going to hand this on to someone else. And there's a, like a meme going around that basically says, and you know, when you hand it on to them, they're going to pretty much forget about you in a few weeks, they're just going to kind of move on. Now, there'll be moments of sadness at anniversaries and holidays and things like that, but they're going to be busy about their own lives. What profit comes to man from all the toil and anxiety of heart? There it is. The anxiety of heart with which he has labored under the sun. All of his days are grief. All his days, sorrow and grief are his occupation. Wow. Any of you have a job? that you think, oh, what, what, what's your work? Well, the impact of my work is sorrow and grief. Even at night, his mind is not at rest. Yes. Is there something about 
our, our career that is overflowing the boundaries of what is true, good, and beautiful, what is really healthy and leads to flourishing, not only in our own lives, but in our marriages and in our families as moms and dads, are we working in a way that is taking us beyond the boundaries of what is true, good, and beautiful for our kids' lives? That is a big deal. That's a big deal. So this is the Word of God, right? This is the reading, the timeliness of this reading vanity. It's vain. It's useless. It doesn't bear lasting fruit. Now, what Ecclesiastes is not saying, right? what Solomon, the author of Ecclesiastes, is not saying is, hey, don't worry. Take it easy. You don't have to, you don't have to worry about being a good steward of your resources, and you might as well just bury it. Just bury it. Bury that, you know, the, the gold coin you received, no, 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 no. No, Jesus in that parable, what does he do? He, he praises the steward who invests that coin and comes back and brings five others and ten others and, and two at least doubles it. And he, what does he do? He condemns the one who just buries the talent that he was given. And so he, no, he expects us to be good stewards. But good stewards, that means a stewardship that doesn't overcome what is a higher good in our lives. One of the things I learned serving executives and CEOs for 25 years is in big organizations, the higher you go in the executive ranks, the more you became an owner of the company just because of the shares, right? The, the number of shares that would come with that uh, elevated position in the company um, through options and things like that, bonuses, um, but the more you became owned by the company, did you hear that? The higher you went in the company, the closer you came to ownership in the company, the more you were owned by the company. Isn't that striking? Now, that, that wasn't said anywhere. It was, it's not in writing. It's not you signed as you took that vice president position, program manager position, senior vice president position, Oh, we own you? No, but it was an unspoken expectation that if they asked you, would you go take some time and, and go move your family or not, but you're going to go take a, a, a time and rotate to this position that is in another part of the country or in another part of the world? And the answer is, how quickly do you need me there? Not... You know, I really appreciate that opportunity, but I'm going to turn it down. That was, it was not, that would wither and fade in the air. <laughs> Wouldn't even reach the ears of the one who made the request. And so I had a chance so many times in my career to talk to these um, highly placed executives, these senior leaders in so many agencies, and there were several stories. And two of the stories that would be repeated the most would be, I poured my life out for this company. I gave my, my best years. And you know what? I did well. I succeeded. I was, I was celebrated. I was awarded. I, I, was, uh, uh, I kept going higher with um, uh, various um, promotions. But before I knew it, I, I, I turned around and, and I missed my kids' 
years growing up. And now they're leaving for college. What happened? How did that happen? And there was this poignant, poignant moment of, was this worth what it cost? Was this worth what it cost? The money, the power, the influence, the making a difference in the, in the job, but losing out on richness in home, in the home. The other, the other side of the coin was the executives I talked to who would say, Tom, you have to protect me from getting too much positive attention so that I would be elevated to the point where I can't say no, but at the same time, not let me be sidelined into a role where I can't go any higher. <laughs> so navigating this like lane, this, this real narrow path of, I want to be successful. I don't want to just be overlooked and sidelined and therefore lose the ability to, to, have, to, to do the good that I can do. But I need to also put up a hedge of defense against getting too far over the skis and then all of a sudden I get stuck and, and I have to go further. And, and I really admired the executives who wrestled like that. And they did it because of their faith and because of their family. I don't want to I don't want to betray my faith in terms of authentic full stewardship in my life and especially that meant my wife and my kids. And and so it became I will not build my career on the backs of my kids in the name of providing for my kids when my kids wanted me there rather than the money that I was getting them that allowed us to go do things occasionally but they missed on the richness of time with me. Wow. So that's the first reading really really challenging. The, um, the second reading was, brothers and sisters, if you were raised with Christ, and you were, this is the point, because you have been raised with Christ, because you already share in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Did you hear that? That's what baptism does. Baptism gives you a taste even now. Not just like, here, take a lick and then the ice cream gets moved away from you. No, you share even now. You participate in an imperfect way in the life of glory, in the life of heaven, in the life of God. You're a child of God. God's Holy Spirit dwells in you. You cry out, Abba, Father. You share in the very divine life of the Son. That's the life of heaven. That's the life of God. That is real. That is real. Oh, by the way, that also, that endures. That endures. And because you were raised with Christ, seek what is above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Think of what is above, not of what is on earth. Now listen to this. For you have died. Not you're going to die. No, no. You have already died. And your life is hidden. Not one day will be. Is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ your life appears, second coming, then you too will appear with him in glory. And so that is a powerful, it's a powerful way, okay, theologically. Theologically, this is referring to the understanding of holiness in our Catholic faith. It's a proleptic reality. It's not a reality that grows in us like becoming better at a sport 
or at a musical instrument or at any particular trade that involves advancing skills and mature expertises. There's growth and development. That is not the way growth and development in holiness works. Growth and development in holiness is unveiling, uncovering what is already present, but in a hidden state. Did you hear that? It's already there. You are holy, baptism. You are already been put to death, baptism. You all are, you are already sharing in the, the life with God, baptism. You already share, Abba, Father, you already are there, but now you have to let that life conquer the rest of your life. Let that life take prominence and priority, primacy in your life. That's the call of faith, is to put Christ first. Put the things of Christ first. The things that really matter, that means the things that will endure first. That's a way of seeing. That right there is theology shaping how I see my life. That is so important right there. You know, I, uh, I'm going to jump to something and say, what's the biggest threat to that kind of theology shaping our lives? It's a smartphone. It's a smartphone. A smartphone, the danger of the internet, whether it's through handheld devices, uh, laptops, uh, uh, some kind of iPad, desktop computers, smart TVs, smartphones, video games, the greatest danger, in my humble opinion, isn't the horror and the horror and nightmare of pornography as bad as that is. It's not the horror and nightmare of social anxiety and uh, depression that hits kids through social media platforms. Yes, it, it's it, those things are terrible, self-harm that it leads to and it's not the the physiological and um uh the, the in, interpersonal, inter, uh, the social diminishments that happen and addictive tendencies that happen, as terrible as those things are too. The greatest danger, in my humble opinion, is the proclamation of an anti-God, anti-Catholic, anti-Christ mindset that is predominant on the predominant platforms on the internet. TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Amazon, Netflix. These are filled with a, a, a tidal wave, a tsunami, an avalanche. Let me choose all the ones that I can. It's the iceberg and it's hit the Titanic. And your way of seeing faith, your kid's way of seeing faith, the culture's way, the, the kids your friends are hanging around seeing, it is fundamentally being shaped not by church, not by your values, not by what's happening in your home, but by what is being poured into their lives like a fire hose into their hearts. That's the biggest danger of the internet. It shapes mindsets. It shapes consciousness. It fundamentally converts kids into a way of seeing that is anti-God, anti-Christ, anti-Catholic. It does. That's the biggest danger. It's evangelizing your kids with an anti-gospel. Compared to this second reading, that, that's pure life-giving water. That's the word of life. That's the word of truth. That's the word of God. And to drink in that word, that's what we can do to refresh and strengthen a biblical and Catholic way of seeing the world and to withstand and battle against this fleshly, demonic, anti-Catholic, anti-Christian 
uh, uh, way of, of looking at the world. That's the battle we're in. Back in a minute with more Sound Insight. Hey, this is Dr. Tom Curran, the host of Sound Insight, but also a realtor serving wonderful folks like you in the state of Washington and in Idaho. I've had the privilege and pleasure of helping dozens of families in the last two and a half years discern and find a, a strategy, a path, and a plan to help their families find a whole new life in eastern Washington and northern Idaho. If I could be of service to you in that, I would love to. Please reach out drtomcurran.com, drtomcurran.com. Okay, back to Sound Insight. Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Curran. It's great to be with you today. So today we're talking about heavy stuff. Uh, we started with a, a homily from Steubenville Northwest on Sunday. What's the biggest problem? Death. To me, the biggest problem is not enough saints because not enough saints are going to radiate the answer to the biggest problem that most people have. And and you, you've already heard me say in the past couple of weeks the way in which some people in this world, they've clued into the biggest problem is death, and they don't look to God any longer for the solution or faith or religion for that matter. They look to science and technology that has mastered so many other realms to find a scientific technological solution to the problem of death through the ongoing consciousness of their lives and some kind of uh, technical, technological existence for themselves. You know how sad that is? You know how broken that is? That is so troubling and broken. God bless them. And we need compelling witnesses. Okay, so let's come back around. Let's come back around. I talked about the first reading, uh, second reading on Sunday, and raises up in the first paragraph in Colossians 3 this whole reality that our life is hidden with Christ in God. That's our identity. And so therefore, put to death the parts of you that are earthly. Immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire. You know what all of those things do? It reduces claritas. It reduces claritas. It makes cloudy water. It makes us unable to go into the depths of our life of faith. Did you get that? Immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, all those things that are earthly are going to cloud and diminish and confuse our desire for God, our desire for godly truth, and it's going to weaken our capacity to go deeper into those things. Kill your smartphone. Smash it. And the greed that is idolatry. Stop lying to one another, right? And he goes on and on. Okay, then the gospel. The gospel, Jesus. Uh, someone comes to Jesus, tell my brother to share the inheritance with me. Who's appointed me your judge and arbiter, Jesus says. And then he says, take care to guard against all greed. For though one may be rich, one's life does not consist of possessions. Yeah, like he said this 2,000 years ago, and boy, have we not learned our lesson and uh, did you buy tickets on, what was the day? Friday. It was, um, I think it was Mega Millions. Did you buy a ticket? $1.3 billion lottery prize. Come on. Who bought a ticket? We did. Uh, <laughs> we bought some tickets. And I got some news to announce. We did not win. <laughs> That's right. But you know what? I was, I was making my case, just like Jesus. I came to Jesus. I said, Jesus, look, uh, 
That's a lot of money. People would do some really bad things with that money. On the other hand, Lord, I could handle the burden and the temptations. Lord, here's my plan. I had a beautiful systematic theology plan laid out in front of me. And Jesus, I don't know if he was not paying attention or there was some other person who made a more compelling uh, plan, or maybe it wasn't God at all, but he won. I don't know if it was a he, some unknown person in Illinois. Uh, If you're out there and you're listening to this program, give me a call. (laughs) Help you to discern. Oh, isn't this funny, right? Isn't this crazy? Though one may be rich, one's life does not consist of possessions. And Jesus tells a parable, a bountiful harvest. Where am I going to store my harvest? I'll tear down my barns and build larger ones because then I can store all my grain and other goods. And I shall... Uh, say to myself, now, as you have so many good things stored up for many years, rest, eat, drink, and be merry. And then what does God say to him? You fool. And fool in the scriptures means someone who doesn't believe in God, someone who's not taking God into account. You fool. This night, this very night, your life will be demanded of you. And the things you've prepared, to whom will they belong? Again, that's the Ecclesiastes message. I'm like, what's that all about? Why are you pouring your whole life out for stuff? What good is that? He says, thus it will be for all who store up treasure for themselves, for themselves, but are not rich in what matters to God. Carrie came away from, uh, Carrie was, had prepared for Sunday Mass. And when we got to the gospel, she elbowed me. She said, listen to this. Listen, this is really good. And afterwards, when we were talking about it, that phrase just, it was greed, that one word, chasing after money and the things that money buys, security, control, stuff, comfort, protection from negative things happening in the world. Uh, All of that, that nest of things, but not rich in what matters to God. Not rich in what matters to God. What matters to God? Do you think about that? Do you think about how in my life, no, make it more practical. How in my today, how in my right now, am I doing anything that matters to God? What matters to God? It's a great question. Do you know an answer? This is, a, this is a big one. We want to get this one right. Among all the questions that we face in life, that question should not catch us off guard. You know, Lord, we face him at death and come before him in judgment. You know, Lord, I didn't know that that mattered to you. I didn't realize that that was so important to you. To you. What matters to God? Well, in a word, I'm going to give it to you in one word. Holiness. Holiness. Holiness matters to God. Holiness is what? Holiness is godliness. Holiness is the the vital union with the God who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Holiness is the intimate, 
personal, profound, and life-giving relationship with God. Marked by faith, hope, and love. Trust, confidence, and delight. As my burning concern, to know him and love him and serve him. To love the Lord my God with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind, and all my strength. And to love others with the very love of Christ. To plunge more fully into my God-given identity by plunging more fully into the very heart of Jesus. And there, in that union with his most sacred heart, coming to discover the way in which his heart, burning with redemptive love, compassionate love for the world, comes alive in me, grows in me, and now I, who am a member of his body, will be useful to him as a continuation of his life on earth today. I become a useful member of the body through which he can minister the good news in this world. Holiness is becoming the sign and wonder that God wants to make me in my world, in my relationships. Holiness, what matters to God is that his kingdom comes and conquers in me all that resists him so that his kingship is manifest in my life, in how I live, in the attitudes I have, in the things that are important to me. Don't tell me what is important to you. Let me see how you live day to day, and I will tell you what matters to you. You say what matters to you is what matters to God. Let me follow you around, and let me pay attention to the time that you spend watching useless videos, TikToks, listening to news that doesn't end does you no good at all, causing you to disperse your time and effort and energy and conversations with others that tear down rather than build up, that literally waste precious time, energy, and money. How much time do you dedicate to growing in your understanding of the faith, growing in relationships with others so that together you can walk a path supporting, encouraging, and holding each other accountable? How much time are you spending seeking his face and asking him, begging him to come and to pour out his life upon you, upon your family, upon your community, so that you can be salt, light, and leaven in a dying world, asking the Lord not only to bless you, but to bless others through you, and making your whole life available to him, not to do a certain task, but available to him for any task that he would design, that he would will, saying yes in advance to whatever the Lord would ask. That is what matters to God. That's how we can live our lives. But boy, that's so hard. Up against a break. Back in a minute with more Sound Insight. Welcome back to Sun Insight. This is Tom Curran. And on, I'm recording this on the feast of St. Alphonsus de Liguori. I, th- I hope I'm honoring him and the passion and the fervor he had for the salvation of souls, 
that the redemption of Christ, he was the founder of the Redemptorists, right? Remember that copious, abundant redemption would become manifest in the world while he was on stage, while he was up to bat. Guess who's on stage now, brothers and sisters? That would be us. That would be we. <laughs> We're on stage. We have a part to play, each of us. I don't care how old you are. I don't care the state of your health, the state of your energy. I, it doesn't, what matters to God is our availability. Lord, I'm available. I, I just, I give you what I am. I give you all I am. I give you all I have. I give you my today. I give you my energy. I give you my willingness. I give you my unwillingness. You know me, Lord. I give you my brokenness. Lord, I give you my past. All of those things that happened to me, that wore me down, bound me up, held me back, and all those blessings that set me free, had me advance, and helped me come to know you and love you and serve you. All that I am, all that I have, it's all yours, Lord. I'm all in. Just put it all out there for you. Just use me. Just use me. Lord, that's what matters to me. What matters to me is that I spend every ounce of my energy, my time, my talent, my treasure to become, to speak, to do, and to suffer whatever you would have, that you would be glorified in the greatest way possible through the time that remains. My life is short, and I want it to bear fruit for you. That that's where we begin. That's where we begin. It begins with our intention. It begins with our desire. It begins with the urgent longing that we that that lives in us, but you know what often gets obscured, gets covered over, gets diminished, gets crowded out. All of those words mean something, by the way. Remember, I'm a systematic theologian. All of those words, I mean something very concrete when I say that it gets crowded out, it gets clouded uh, over. Uh, I mean things by that, that spiritually and theologically and reflectively, those things are distinct. They're distinct and related, but distinct. And so we could stop and ask ourselves, how do we crowd out the things that matter to God and those desires that are in our hearts? Well, it gets crowded out because we welcome in other desires, our desire for food, our desire for comfort, our desire for ease, our desire to do what we want to do rather than doing the things that matter to God that are also inside of us. But do we make room for those desires to come to expression? Do we stop and ask ourselves, what do we have to set aside in order to make more room for those desires, the desires for the things that matter to God, to grow. Well, scriptures say put to death other desires. It's mortification. It's spiritual discipline. It's saying no to self, denying self, dying to self, picking up your cross, right? All of those words, all of those phrases are ways of getting at this idea that I've got to die to certain fleshly desires. Okay, where does it get clouded? Right? I, I said it it gets crowded out, but it also gets cloudy. It gets cloudy because what we take in, what we take in, 
if it's not healthy and life-giving, the purity, that remember that clear water? It gets more cloudy. So when we take in content on our smartphones, videos, we watch movies, we listen to podcasts that are not life-giving, or we take in news that disturbs our peace, it clouds our judgment. It clouds the clarity of our thinking about what did I do today? How am I supposed to live today? And so this battle, this battle is against not just the flesh, the desires that are in us, but the world and the devil. Devil's going to use, going to stir the flesh in us and he's going to bring the world at us full force. He's going to lie to us. Devil's a liar, the father of lies. And he, he's the Lord of the flies. He's going to send all these buzzing things around you to, to do what? Distract you. Take your attention away from God. Oh, this is really important. I got I to gotta go just do this one thing, then I'll go to pray. No, going to miss the prayer. You're not going to pray because you've given something else a higher importance. Oh, yeah, but it's a really good thing. Yeah, but is it the one thing necessary? Is it the most? Is it the thing that matters to God the most? So God has given us an answer. God has given us a power. God has given us the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the power of God to transform us beyond our weakness, beyond our powerlessness. It's the power of God. And the Holy Spirit is a person of God. Not just a wind, not just a dove. It's a person of God, the divine person. And that divine person dwells in you. And you can have an intimate, personal, profound, life-giving relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit. Yes, you can. I'm not making that up. This is Catholic theology. This is biblical. This is great spiritual writers. They bring the whole spiritual life down to being able to distinguish and discern the movement of the Spirit within you, the Holy Spirit within you. This is the, this is the whole of the spiritual life boiled down into two words. Discern what the Spirit is saying and then do that. The first attitude that is required of anyone that is going to go forth on mission is radical availability and docility to the Holy Spirit. Yes, getting this one right is key to everything. And you know what? It's one of the biggest things that Catholics get poorly. We don't get it. We get it wrongly, poorly, or we've never been informed. Like those people in the scriptures and the Acts of the Apostles, we've never even heard of the Holy Spirit. We accepted the baptism of Jesus, but we never even heard of the Holy Spirit. How many Catholics are like that? The answer is too many. So I am actually very excited about a new movement of God in the Catholic Church to awaken a greater faith expectancy of the Holy Spirit, a greater sensitivity to the gifts and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, a greater sense of awareness and action-taking to pray for the release and the empowerment that God has given to Catholics through the sacrament of confirmation, through baptism and confirmation, but in a very special way through the gifts given in these sacraments of initiation, a personal Pentecost. And so Tuesday nights, we're doing this. We're getting together, having a prayer meeting. Uh, it's, uh, it's a little bit, it's north of Spokane Valley. It's east of Spokane. 
uh, it's right there. You're welcome to come. We have several songs where we pray to the Lord. We pray. We have it called praise and worship. We listen. We learn how to listen to God. How about that? You learn how to listen to the voice of the Spirit stirring within us. That is, it's a great thing to practice while coming with these other Catholics and practice. And then I'm giving some teachings, a systematic set of teachings on growing in the love of God, learning how to overcome those things that divert, distract, and disperse us from what matters to God. Uh, Tonight, I'm talking about the missing, the fundamental missing thing for most Catholics when it comes to discipleship. It's not the idea that you're called to discipleship, and it's not the idea that God has power to live out the grace, to live it out. It's what I call the missing middle, which is the experience, the encounter, the reality of holy desperation, radical powerlessness as the doorway through which God's power moves. It's something that has been obscured for too many Catholics for too long, and yet it's so obvious in the uh, Office of Readings, it's so obvious in the, uh, in the Psalms and stories from the Old Testament, it's obvious in the New Testament, it is, uh, it's all over the great spiritual writings of our tradition, holy desperation. And yet Catholics hear this and they're like, I have never heard this before. How did I miss this? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. It's the first beatitude. Sermon on the Mount. Like how, how do we miss this so badly? Um, if you want to hear that teaching, you can come tonight, 6.30 to 8.30. Love to have you there. Uh, you can go to mycatholicfaith.org. Mycatholicfaith.org. Just reach out. I'll send you uh, directions on where to go. Um, I also, we're posting the teachings on my YouTube channel, Current Crew, the Current Crew YouTube channel. We're posting the teachings that I'm giving these nights. And so, love to have you there. Um, and if you can't make it to, to mine, find a, a prayer group in your area. Uh, Catholic charismatic prayer group are often the ones that have that sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. Um, And this new movement called Encounter, um, which is, uh, they just had their school of ministry on the, on the West side in, in the, um, uh, in, in, uh, in Renton at St. Stephen the Martyr. So some beautiful, powerful things happening today that God is saying, I'm moving with my spirit. Here I come. I'm like, come on, Holy Spirit. Let's go. All right. God bless your day. Join me tomorrow for more Sound Insight.